told y'all we would be back again this week. We just talking episode 13. Isaiah, who is the greatest number 13 of all time to you? The greatest number 13 of all time to me is Mike Vanderjack, formerly of the Indianapolis Colts, baby. What's up? Damn, I haven't thought of him since. <laughs> him and, uh, was it him and Peyton? Him and Peyton yeah. had that beat? Yeah, Peyton was like, he's just drunk. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking getting hammered in the locker room. No. Nah. <laughs> he is the most polarizing number 13 of all time. I don't, the greatest number 13 of all time. Gosh, you got to. If you talk I about surely. number 13s of all time, you got to start naming some of them. I mean, he just the, was the first one that came to mind because uh, on Peacock, they have all the NFL 100 uh, like shows, like greatest games, greatest players. And he remember when he doinked that field goal for the Colts to win against the Buccaneers like way back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was on there. And then whenever he missed the field goal against the Patriots – or no, the, no, the Steelers. The Steelers when he, yeah. yeah, when he missed it against the Steelers. That he, was on sh- that. Bro, he shafted the head yeah. out of that one. That, that was, was after the bus's easy. fumble. Yeah, that was like the most easy money field goal of all time, bro. <laughs> that was both of those games have made it. So he's been on here for hitting one and fucking missing one. So you are correct. And the, the, uh, there's two other ones that I thought of, and then I looked it up. And then once I looked it up, I was like, damn, bro, I'm dumb as hell. <laughs> the first – yeah, the first two that I that I thought of was uh, Steve Nash and Kurt Warner. I was like, oh, look, man, you got some, you know, you got Kurt Warner who has a great story. You have Steve yeah. Nash who won two NBA MVPs. But yeah. then, then you look at it and you have two players who could be thought of as the best in their sports or at yeah. least at their position of all time with yeah. Wilt Chamberlain and Dan Marino. Ooh, oh, that's crispy right there. Yeah, I, I was like, damn, I can't believe I didn't even think about their numbers yeah. like that. I think I think they're just polarizing figures anyway, so it's it's hard to think about the number 13 being tied to them. It's more like just You them. think of the player, not yeah. the number. You thanks, know. thanks. But every time you see a 13 teal jersey, you know it's Dan Marino, and especially now with kids being so enamored at throwbacks, I've seen more remade Marino jerseys ever. And Wilt Chamberlain jerseys. I'm like, how are these fucking kids? We're born like after he died. Like at least I was alive and he was still alive because he died in 1999. Yeah. From the most un. Wilt Chamberlain is more so of a sex appeal legend than an NBA legend because he is rumored to have slept with thousands of women. Yeah, the number keeps going. It's like a fishing story, bro. Because like I remember back in the day, it was like 1,200. And yeah. I heard somebody on a podcast the other day say like twenty four hundred or something. I was like, bro. But then, then you start. It's like the Ric Flair or the Ric Flair story. Like yeah. Ric Flair was like, like on a podcast, and he said, "You take three hundred nights because you got some weekends. You got to get some breaks." And he said, "You multiply that by at least two because you know you start with one woman in the morning and then you go with another woman after you know after the show." He said, "That's easily." And he said, "And I did that for easily forty years, Steve." I was like, Rick, Jesus, you decrepit Uh, old motherfucker. (laughs) I I will say, though, that one of the funniest stories I've heard about Wilt Chamberlain, because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said it when he was being interviewed, I guess he was tired of people always asking him, how's the weather up there? And 
Kareem Hamdul-Jabbar said, a guy said that, and so Wilt Chamberlain spit on him and said, it's raining. <laughs> I And I remember that. I this, this I may be tripping, to be honest, but that there may have been a similar scene like that in winning time, but I, I, I might have just be confusing uh, like a TikTok for that. I don't remember, to be honest, because... I didn't rewatch any of those episodes on Winning Time, which is I'm telling y'all, if y'all are if y'all want to laugh and and yeah, it's a it's a good ass show. Good I good promise. show. It's a I really promise. good show. Yeah. But no I, man, I yeah, I, me personally, I'd have to say because we didn't watch like I didn't watch a lot of Dan Marino like back in the day, just because he was basically at the end of his career whenever I was forming the idea of how much I love to watch football. So I maybe saw two or three of his games live whenever I was a little, little kid. So I think for us in the common era, it was probably Steve Nash. Man, fuck Steve Nash. You know I don't like that motherfucker. <laughs> I would probably say common era, uh, yeah, because he's the most 13th person that I remember, you know. What about the beard? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> I don't like him either. He's a hoe, a, a big hoe. Yeah, and he's... Steve Nash. I, I actually like watching Steve Nash, and he was a great player. I just it's well documented that I don't like Steve Nash because he took two MVPs from from the homie Kobe. But yeah, we ain't even got to go into that shit. But hey, bro, did you? Because I I I'm gonna go be upfront. Did you watch that fight night last night? I. I watched the last prelim and the first two of the main card, and then I fell asleep. I'm right. not going to lie to you. I you watched more. You watched more than I did. I watched the last fight from uh, the second round. I'll say it was a good fight, um, but yeah, like I, I didn't even care to watch it. I looked at the card and I was like, the only person legit on that card that I want to watch fight is Umar uh, Khabib's yeah. cousin and. He, uh, yeah, he dominated. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, there's no better way to put it. Like that's, and I think that's when I started kind of falling asleep because I was like, it's not boring. It's a master class of wrestling, but there is there is nothing sexy about it. So I was like fading as he was fighting. It's like you said that was that is a perfect analogy too. It's hard to especially with the card next week that just got even sexier because. The Lauren Murphy Misha Tate fight is off the card because Lauren Murphy had to pull out. Let's go! But he said, "Let's go." <laughs> it's it's hard to just be like, man, I'm I'm gonna watch this and blah blah blah. And it's cool, right? Like like it's it's again, we've talked about it, the chess match, all that good stuff. But I don't want to watch that in a fight night card that don't have big names. Like like let's say there was somebody who may not be like at the top of their division or something, like a Kevin Holland that was fighting on the card or something. I would have watched mm -hmm. it, but. When Umar Nurman, yeah, I'm not even about to try that shit. Uh, I understand why <laughs> Joe Rogan, at, after that one, when he was like, Umar Nurman, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that now, but when Umar is the biggest name on the card, pretty much, that's when you know it's like, he mm. said, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I watched uh, the Car Carlos Olberg. Uh, Tafan Nachukwi, and then the Chris Curtis, Rodolfo Vieira fight, and then I was watching the Umar Nurmagomedov fight, and that's when I fell asleep. 
And yeah, and I woke up and it was over. <laughs> My TV was, you know, the ESPN, it hits that loading logo of your live event has ended. I woke up to that. <laughs> yeah. I woke up to I, that and I was like, all right, TV off. I've done that many a times. I, uh, when Max lost the second, when Max lost the second fight to Volka, uh, Volkanovski, the fight before yeah. that, I believe, was Jordan uh, and Jose Aldo, and then it was that fight. Bro, I was mm-hmm. fighting sleep that entire time, and there was a fight afterwards, but I fell asleep after. As soon as they said uh, hollow, or winner by unanimous decision, I believe they gave him, uh, mm-hmm. Alexander Volkanovski, bro, I turned, I just rolled over. I was like, man, fuck this. But, so yeah. <laughs> but again, it, we really didn't have to spend too much time on that fight night. Again, we've discussed it. Uh, the USC 276 card. Let's run Ooh. down really quick and let's get some picks. Like I want, I want to do picks, and then we. I mean, we don't have to spend too much time on it because we did talk about it last week. But mm-hmm. I want some picks for the entire for the pay per view, like the 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 uh, prelims and stuff that's going to be on ABC, which is so baller. Like this, this is this is we're getting back to the era of fights being on TV, just yeah. regular TV, so everyone can watch it and enjoy it. And there's some bangers, like like. Yeah. Uh, so Donald Cerrone filled in for Bobby Green because Bobby Green had to pull. So you get Cerrone and Jim Miller, which is going to yeah. be a banger in mm-hmm. Gary or in Gary Robbie Lawler. And then mm-hmm. there there was talk of Pedro and Sean O'Malley fighting on ABC, but I believe since uh, the women's card got scrapped, they're staying on pay per view. So the pay per view will have four uh, fights, mm-hmm. and we need some picks, bro. You pick, I pick, and we're gonna start okay. with. Pedro Munoz, Sean O'Malley. Who's going to win, and how are they going to win? Oh, see, I think the game plan for Pedro Munoz is to Brazilian jiu-jitsu the shit out of Sean O'Malley. (laughs) I think he's going to get him on the ground. I think this is going to be the first person that's going to get him on the ground and see if he could bite off of his back and see if he could get up. Um, I I definitely think that Sean – Sean does have, you know, the bo- I think he has the boxing advantage, but how long are you going to stay on your feet? So he's going to have to come sharp. He's going to have to actually throw some kicks to create some separation. Man, I hate to say it, but I got, I got, I got Pedro Munoz. I got him. I got the Sean O'Malley hype. Um, taking a taking a step back. I got to take it a step back this week. And. So, and I'm going to go complete opposite of you. I think Sean starches him in the third round, uh, winding down. I think Pedro comes out, and like you said, he tries to push the pace. He tries to grapple with him. He does that, and he kind of – he gasses out a little bit in the third round. I believe Sean counter counter punches him and knocks him the fuck out. Uh, Sean, this is going to be legit the hard, the toughest opponent, and it wouldn't surprise me if he lost to take a step back. To be honest, it may be something he needs as he started to enter the top ten of talent because mm-hmm. they're not going to just stand and, and throw with you. When you get to the top 10 of a, a weight class, that's when you start having, if you, if you, your punching or your boxing is better than them, they're just going to take you down or they're going to grapple with you. They're going to make it ugly. It's not mm-hmm. going to be sexy. You're going to deal with what Izzy has to deal with all the time. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I could see either one winning, which is why it's an intriguing fight. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Sean O'Malley third round, which is sad that, cause I mean, obviously, I wasn't huge on him, but uh, next fight, bro. Sean Strickland, Alex Pereira. Sean Strickland, not even close. That that guy, I think he's coming up, and I think he's going to be a true contender uh, to fight Usman soon. I think if he wins this fight, um, 
he's on the fast track. He should be in the top five, I believe, after this fight if he gets the dub because he's just he has this it factor about him. And he also has kind of proven to me over the competition that he's faced already that he's battle tested. I mean, at least to some degree, I believe. I think keep his in, hands are nice. Keep in I mind, though, real had, quick, real quick, real quick. Keep in mind, he would be fighting Izzy because he bumped up to welterweight. Or he bumped, oh, he bumped up from up, welterweight so. to middleweight. So he Ooh. he's not, he bumped up, I think, like two or three years ago. Um so and and Dana, I believe, did come out and say whoever wins this fight is is either next or close to a title fight against Israel if mm-hmm. if Izzy retains, obviously. Yeah, but uh, I think he. I mean, regard. I still, I think uh, he still has a a chance to kind of submit his name next. Um, with that though, you know, it's it's still going to be a tough fight for him. I don't think he's going to knock out Alex Perea. I don't think that, but I think they go the full distance. He wins by decision. I'm going to I'm gonna go on the other side of that, and I'm going to say Sean Strickland by, like, Kimura or something. Alex Pereira, obviously a world-class kickboxer and whatnot. He's going to be tested in ways that he ain't never been tested in the octagon. His last fight, he was actually tested by homie. But I think Sean Strickland is a, a dog, and I think if he gets a hold of him, he – Sean Strickland is one of those guys. He can beat you however he needs to beat you. If it, if he wants to do, like you said, go all three rounds and get a decision, he can. If he can just beat you on the ground for until you just tap out from punches, he'll do that. If, if he wants to submit you, he could do that. And I think Alex Pereira, especially uh, with, like, I noticed this in his last fight because he trains under Glover. They've started making him grapple more. Instead of yeah. using his striking, they were making him grapple. And I actually called it out on, like, our third or fourth episode. So, like, I feel like he's going to try to grapple with Sean Strickland and it shit ain't going to be sweet. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Sean definitely, definitely has the strength advantage against yeah. him. Yeah. And Perea got that fight after what? Two, two wins really in the UFC that is it a two or three. Yeah, what, so. yeah, that, this, the last one he fought really, he didn't win in an oppressing fashion. He, in no. I think his first one and remember in the first round of his first fight, I don't remember who it was against. He was losing because he got put on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then at the beginning of the second round, he threw that flying knee, knocked homie out. But he hasn't put on like a master class of striking like Izzy did early in his like UFC career. So I, I honestly think that Sean Strickland is going to handle him. Uh, yeah, so we, we agree on that one. Um, mm-hmm. co five-round war. Dude, I know Max and Volkov. <laughs> and you, I mean, y'all, if you listening, y'all know who, what time it is. You know who I'm picking. I, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you when. I'm going to say Max Holloway fourth round because Ooh. the last the last fight, so the first fight, Max started slow, and then he picked it up in the third. The first fight, or the second fight, I'm sorry, he started fast, and the first two rounds were easily Max. I believe at the end of the second round, he dropped Volkanovski. And then in the third round, he dropped him. But they gave that round to Volkanovski because he took Max down once or twice. Uh And then the fourth, uh, uh, Max started slowing down. And then in the fifth, it was super back and forth. I think that Max lands another one of those high kicks. Because remember, Max is going to have the reach advantage because he's a tall uh, featherweight. He's going to have the reach advantage. I think he's going to do a better job of getting in and getting out. And I believe he catches him, Volkanovski, uh, with trying to come in to grapple and a little bit sloppy because it's later in the fight. And he catches him with the head kick. And 
I, I honestly hope this is a war. I hope it's not just a pure domination because we haven't seen Max in almost a year since mm-hmm. uh, since he fought Yair Rodriguez. We've seen Volkanovski twice uh, since then, but the Ortega fight, he pretty much handled him. And then the Korean Zombie, I don't even like talking about the Korean Zombie fight because every time Korean Zombie fights up or anybody in the top four, he gets he gets treated like that. So yeah. it's like, man. Somebody gets baptized. Yeah, remember, if, you, if you're watching, or no, I said watching shit, we haven't started that shit yet, but mm-hmm. if you're listening and you're a huge Korean Zombie fan, go back and watch Korean Zombie versus Yair Rodriguez. See how Yair Rodriguez uh, could have finished him a couple times before he actually did. And then look at how he finished him. He literally, Korean Zombie came in and threw a straight. He ducked. And as he ducked and Korean Zombie went over the top of him, he just threw an elbow up and Korean Zombie went to sleep. Go yeah. go YouTube that shit. It's dope as fuck. But go ahead, Isaiah. I said Max in the fourth. Brother, I... I want Max to win, okay? I'm also a realist. So I truly believe that he, like you said, he has to knock him out in the fourth or he has to get bulk off of his game so bad and dominate the middle rounds. He can, it could be a top, like how they judged, uh, what was that fight that we watched where you can, oh, the Aljo fight, right? So... The first is kind of a toss-up. He dominated the second and the third. The fourth was the fourth was Jan, and the fifth was kind of a toss-up, right? Well, people gave the fifth to Jan. I think that's what Max has to do. And I agree. The second, third, and the, if it goes to decision, it has to be, like, without a doubt, like, you are winning those rounds. So I want Max to win. I'm going decision, though. I'll go decision. You said fourth. I'll go decision. I think I honestly think, too that those two are both of them love to come out and give a give give a good show and Volkanovski if you listen to him talk he is very he is mad disrespectful to everybody that he talks yeah. about except for Max. Yeah. And the only reason is because he's been in the cage with Max twice mm-hmm. and he knows like this bloke, I almost fucking lost. <laughs> this bloke can he can fight, and I I love it. Like, and I'm glad this could be like the last fight for both of them at featherweight. I really want to yeah. see them go get new blood. And I I actually like as much as I love Max, and Max is my favorite fighter. I enjoy Alexander Volkanovsky because he he came out of nowhere, a rugby player. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whatever, but. I enjoy him because he's not one of those those fighters that's gonna come out and try to make it boring just to keep his belt. Like he's trying to, he's, he's trying fighting. to whoop your ass. Yeah, yeah. you can tell this is a rugby player in him, bro. But and then we get to the main event, event of the evening: Israel Style Benner Adesanya versus Jared. I, Black I'm, as fuck, Cannoneer. Hey, man, dark as fuck. And <laughs> Purple Cannoneer. <laughs> bro, homie looked like he's been through the gutter. And, and yeah, Jerry Cannoneer, who, who's winning and what round and what fashion? Um, He has to physically outduel uh, Izzy, which I think that's what that's going to be his game plan. Right, he the only fight that Izzy has lost, you know, professionally in mixed martial arts was against um, Jan Blahovic, and I think that's going to be Cannoneer's game plan. I think he's going to try to get him on the ground, and I think 
Izzy's last two fights, his takedown defense has improved so much since that fight that he lost against Blahovich. So I think Izzy is going to slip a lot of these takedown attempts. I think he's just going to hard hat go to work, know what he needs to do to win. Um, he can knock people out, so never take that out of the question. But Jer- Jared Cannonier has got a heavy hand. So that's the one thing. Everybody's got a puncher's chance, and I've said this a million times, but I do not believe that anybody is on the level of Izzy as far as training. I do not believe that every – there's right now, especially after he lost to Jan Blahovich, that I don't think there's a chink in his armor going forward. Izzy, easily, by decision, or he knocks him out in the third. <laughs> Bro, I, I honestly, I feel like the same. I said I'm thinking Izzy in the second – uh, I think Jared is going to come out and try to grapple with him. The thing that people don't understand, especially about Izzy, is Izzy's takedown defense has always been solid. Even when he, like, like early in his career, he was fighting, like, Derek Brunson the first time, and he, like, even got, uh, Kevin Gaslam tried to take him down, and they couldn't. The reason Jan got him down was because Jan disguised it really well, and Jan is a big fucking guy, so... Yeah. That's why yeah, I weighed him, him by twenty yeah. pounds when they walked in the octagon. Yeah, Marvin Vitt- a na- yeah. No, 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 no. no, Marvin Vittori tried. He yeah. tried to get him down, and Marvin Vittori is a really good wrestler. Yeah. He just couldn't get Izzy down. Yeah. When they walked into that matchup, Izzy weighed exactly two oh five into the octagon, and y'all probably weighed about two thirty five. Yeah, I was gonna say two oh three, but yeah, I got yeah. I got Izzy second second round. I think Gassum comes out. I think they have like a, a filling out process. Uh, Gaslam tries to wrestle with him at the end of the first because he gets hit and and he tries to wrestle with him at the end of the first. His coaches tell him something like, hey, bro, you got to get in there, close the, the distance, and you got to like press up against him, make him tired, pause. And he gets caught. He gets caught like in a, a grappling exchange on the, the fence when they separate. Is he, is he touches that chin? He mm-hmm. hits that shutoff button and night-night. Said it, uh, like, like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, what, what, what do you think? You. Yeah, it, I, I, I believe we've Izzy's. I don't feel like his reign is in in question with that, but have you heard the the Dana White, uh, Nate Diaz back and forth? I have not. I was as soon as you mentioned something before we started, I was so, like, well, what's he talking about? So, obviously, you know, Nate has Nate is continuously throwing out who he, like, I want to fight and get this shit over with. It's my last fight on the contract. But Nate has been offered fights, and mm-hmm. just nothing's been signed. So they it's been Dustin versus Nate, Hamzat Shemaev versus Nate. Uh, they were, like, Connor versus Nate, Justin Gaethje versus Nate, Michael Chandler versus Nate. Now Kevin Holland has thrown his name in it. But Nate is continuously going back and forth with the UFC, on it dana said in an interview a few days ago he said dealing with nate is uh i guess you could say that is fun and he said but at this point nate may need to go fight tommy fury or not tommy fury but jake paul who that's not happening right now but i can you can hear it or at least i can see it in in dana's expression but he's tired of dealing with nate because nate has done this his almost his entire career and Dana said it. He was like, all of this coming from a guy who's only won one fight in six years. Oh. And then Nate's, Nate's response to that obviously was, yeah, I'm going to lose fights, but I don't lose fights like these motherfuckers. 
a loss is a loss, brother. Yeah. I don't care how you put it. And and not to mention like who Nate had in the past. Let's see, he fought Leon Edwards, and I honestly thought Leon could have finished him a couple times, but Leon was just like, nah, bro, I'm gonna get you gonna get this work. And then he he did end up getting caught and he should have got put to sleep, but Nate's an idiot. Yeah. Uh Masvidal obviously baptized Nate, and there's no reason to run that back. Like, yeah, Nate could say I was coming on strong and blah, blah, blah. But in all the exchanges I seen, you was getting treated. So let's let's go from there. You yeah. lost us before that, you lost a, a super close connor fight and then before that you choke connor out and oh no he did he, he beat anthony pettis uh, in yeah. between there so yeah. two in six years that's that's not impressive to me that's like cowboy cerrone so but i'm like bro if you want to fight that bad just you have names like kevin holland is i think would be a good fight because they're both about the same height distance weight and they they're gonna fight Kevin Holland don't like wrestlers, and neither does Nate Diaz. So exactly. they both, if need be, like let's say a fight does go to the ground because somebody gets knocked down or something, they're both black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu artists. Uh, Nate Diaz is, I believe, a Gracie jiu-jitsu black belt uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and uh, Kevin Holland is a Travis Luter Brazilian black belt. Uh, so you know what I'm saying? They're very similar in style I would, I'm because I think Dustin would treat Nate uh, in my opinion, and Dustin really wants to fight right now too. I think if anything, the UFC is holding out to try to get Nate's last fight against Connor to do that yeah. trilogy. But which is, you know, what's even more astounding to me is that they showed the rankings last night, and Connor's eight. Connor's eight right now. He should be in the top ten. No. Wait, in what in the lightweight division? He's eight. Yeah. Ha- oh, I'm not even. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, not even not featherweight, lightweight. He's eight. I was like, "Oh, what?" Connor's won one lightweight fight. I don't know, brother. That's just that's what I seen. He it, it, that shit does it never because they were reviewing, you know, the yeah. Volkanovski Holloway. Yeah. Oh my god. What's well, eight? Dan Hooker is thirteen. That's crazy because what two years ago he was like four or five. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so what? You got no champion. <laughs> Oliveira's one. Poirier's yeah. two. Gaethje's three. Islam's four. Chandler five. Darius is six. Dos Anjos and then Connor and Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. man. Give Nate Tony Ferguson. Fuck. Yeah. At this point, Tony, Tony's got one left, dude. He's past his prime, in my opinion. He's just getting dog walked every fight. And it's like sad. You remember when Anderson. You know, his last couple fights, you're just like, ugh, this is just bad. That's how I feel about Tony Ferguson. Yeah, he just has his moments, like quick flashes, where you're like, okay, okay. Like the first round against oh, oh, Chandler, oh. he looked well, and then he came out and got absolutely Mike Vanderjack. <laughs> yeah, he just <laughs> – that's going to be the new phrase. Man, I just got Mike Vanderjacked. That's, that's what it looked like, though. I, I hope he retires. He's got one more, and I hope he retires. Especially if he gets knocked out or just dominated like that. If he if he can if he wins and stuff like wins, brute like convincingly, and he wants to stay, that's fine. But yeah, I I don't know. He, he's wild. It's it's he should have walked away along because he's like thirty seven or thirty eight, and that's yeah. crazy. He's getting up there, man, and he's not fighting at a high level anymore. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's one once you get to the top. 
of a of a weight division and you can't then compete the only place you can go is out of the ufc because all those young dogs coming up will beat you almost it's like what happened to cody garbrandt cody garbrandt very quickly went up the the bantamweight uh division he got beat by uh tj pillishaw twice and then he just started getting beat by fucking everybody and now he can't compete there he went to flyweight and kai kai france knocked him the fuck out and now yeah. cody garbrandt has not been heard of talked to or anything in since he got starched so mm-hmm. they once you can't compete at the top of the division that you were at the top of your only place is is out of here and i think yeah. cody garbrandt's in the same situation if he comes out in that next fight and he gets knocked the fuck out again dan is going to come to him in the back and say hey bud <laughs> all right this that is chin about to do yeah. yeah that chin is as fragile as the beginning of stone cold's music the glass break so yeah. you guys to get the fuck up out of here got to man got to dude it's 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 hard to watch some of those guys man because they were just on the upper echelon of the fighters and now you're just like oh man it hurts you to see them <laughs> That's yeah, facts. facts it hurts you to see them you're like ah oh. I, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, can't do it no more. Yeah. So, and I, I'm, I'm, we can start before we talk about the NBA drafts and the NFL and the NFL training camp. Any news from there? Real quick, quick. Let's do a Would You Rather. And one sec, I had this shit pulled up too. Uh, oh my god, there we go. Here we go. Would you rather be in jail for five years or be in a coma for a decade? Ooh. The coma, you would have to learn how to walk again, talk again. There'd be so much that you'd get caught up on. Um, but then again, you not you gotta you gotta stipulate what jail. <laughs> Cause I feel like if we're doing some fed time at a fed prison, uh I don't know I don't know if you're gonna last five years. Let's go, let's go, maybe not super fed like one of the biggest, but let's go with like to a let, let's say because we're in Oklahoma, let's say like down in McAllister. No, no, I'd rather be in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was gonna say coma too, a hundred percent a coma because, bro, in a coma you're just there, right? And mo- majority of the time, I, I ain't never been in a coma. It's probably similar to going to sleep and waking up, uh, so you don't know how long you're in it. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that if you're in a coma for that long that you do have to relearn. Sometimes your brain function is fine. But more than likely, I would much rather have to learn how to walk, talk, and do all that shit again rather than biting for my booty hole's sake in, in the penitentiary. Yeah. For five years, too. That shit ain't no quick weekend or a month or two months or some shit. Even uh, a year. Yeah, that's, yeah. Five years of you trying. You know, I told you all that story of playing softball where they was talking about dudes was getting their booty holes spit in. Yeah. Yeah, so... Called it the Oklahoma wet wipes, son. Boy, howdy. <laughs> and if you listening and you taking back the reason they was doing that, they would knock you out and spit in your butt. And the reason they would do that is because if you spit, if if you spit in their butt, it's, it's the same thing as like penetrating. And if any bodily fluid gets inside of somebody, they by law have to call your family and tell them. And you know how embarrassing that is if somebody called your mom your dad your aunt uncle your cousin your cousins your sister your brother or something was like hey you know mm-hmm. homie just got his butt spit in at yeah, that I point you gotta to leave you know yeah <laughs> you just all right man we got one or two options at this point <laughs> yeah yeah that's 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 fucking crazy but what'd you think about the nba draft my guy 
Um, I think it was it's it's been kind of tough now because some of these kids kind of come out of nowhere. They don't want to go to school, so they just go like overseas. They do that G League Ignite thing for a year, then throw their name in the draft. Um, so I mean, I think it was good. You know, I I just. I, I feel like now going forward, there's it's going to take players two to three years to really develop to kind of show any sort of impact on the teams that drafted. You know, I mean, being honest with you, we're still waiting on De'Aaron Fox to do something in Sacramento, right? Yeah, his his is different though because his I think his is he showed flashes. His is just help. Being in Sacramento, I think I think well, you put Darren Fox in like a, a better situation, maybe like a New Orleans or something. I think he would be better. It's just, and you have impressive players like that get drafted. I just think when are they going to reach that next tier, right? So the one, oh, in recent memory that I was, I just thought of him off the top of my head is probably Anthony Edwards in the sense of like he's came in and shown like. He can hang with, you know, the top players in the league as far as defending them and scoring against them. And John Morant, really, right? They kind of – it took them like a year or two to, like, reach that, oh, like, people are talking about them. They're impressed by what they're doing, things like that. So – and there's been a ton of people that have been drafted, like Marvin Bagley and, you know, other names like that that haven't done shit, you know. When are we? When is the Zion experiment gonna end? Because he's doing windmills, fucking around, but he can't play for his team that's paying him millions of dollars, you know. So, and he's talking about getting an extension now. Yeah, for what? <laughs> for for seventeen what? games. Yeah, to not lose weight and chip your knee or hurt your ankle again because you're too fucking top heavy at this point. Like, I. I, I want to see, like, if this class is going to be ready to come in and, like, put in work, which I think overall uh, throughout the, you know, the whole first round, it didn't look like a bad draft on paper. It's just you remember names if you watch them. So the only name that I remembered and the only name that had a lot of hype about them was, you know, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, um, and uh, Ivy, you know, a couple other players. So. Let's see how they end up doing. I mean, let's really see what happens. Yeah, it's it's hard too because everyone comes into every NBA draft, especially if your team has a top like a lottery pick, mm-hmm. and they expect that draft to be an eighty four or two thousand eight caliber draft where four out of the top five picks are Hall of Famers. But yeah. you have to look at how rare that is. You usually in a draft you have one or two players max that ball out. Like yeah. a, a Tatum, who his rookie year, he he was played really well. He went to the Eastern Conference Finals and got beat by LeBron in a game seven. You have a Donovan Mitchell. You have a – like, Jaw played well his rookie year. He just kept getting hurt. You have those guys that come out in their first year, they play really well, and they turn into someone who you build your franchise around. But, again, that is so rare. I don't see some of these picks that people are – talking about and discussing being that i i see 
and obviously the sports media does it because they have to to get clicks and watches and stuff so they can make money because it's their job but i don't see those guys going somewhere and making an immediate reaction or immediate impact and i also don't see some of the comparisons like i hate to harp on chet holmgren but they were talking about chet as being like a kd and i don't see that kd in college was averaging 30. so you're telling me a motherfucker that average 14 is kd no mm-hmm. like fuck out of here with that shit. and so that that's what gets me is is like obviously everyone is very optimistic in a draft they hope that those turn out and pan out but mm-hmm. at the end of the day number wise and from history you don't see too many of them motherfuckers that do that. It's usually somebody that comes out and like a lower pick, like a Donovan Mitchell was end of first round. John ja Morant was what four, five, six or something. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum was a three. And other than that, like you had high hopes, like like Lonzo and Markel Fultz in college were looked at as like can't misses and you missed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's the biggest thing is like everyone thinks that they can't miss. But yeah. we don't know because the way I always look at it is is I'm someone who doesn't watch a lot of college basketball. Yeah. But if somebody yeah. in college is standing out like a Kevin Durant, like a Steph Curry in the tournament, you'll make me pay attention. And yeah. I'll start looking at it and be like, no, nah, I think that'll be a good pick or a great pick, someone that can turn into and be a superstar. Some of these other guys who were a part of a Gonzaga, a Duke or some of that – Sometimes it's hard to get a good read on them because they're at a they're for one Gonzaga plays against dog shit talent all year until the uh, until March Madness. But yep. I just don't. It's hard to gauge if y'all are not getting eyes on y'all. Like there hasn't been people in college basketball that there I I haven't seen a player since I'll say Lonzo uh, Lonzo and Markel Fultz and De'Aaron Fox like when they would go back and forth. That was the last time that names were astronomical in college basketball that was like, look at it, look at us, look at it, look at it. Yeah. So, and Zion, yeah. and Zion. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And I think especially that, that year, I think the social media world has put, in, has put so much more value and emphasis on these kids that have hype, hype videos that they become first-round draft picks. Like, Bags. Do you, I mean, do you believe that some of these kids that have gone on the first round in recent memory were first round draft picks if they didn't have hype videos? No, and that's I mean, just that's, think about it. It's broadcasting yourself. Some of these dudes do it um on uh, on purpose. Like for for instance, I felt like and this may be a biased opinion or whatever. I felt like Zion at best should have been a three pick because yes, his athleticism is just through the roof like if you look at him as as a physical specimen zion was by far the best athlete but as far as skill goes i thought rj barrett was more skilled than him what Mm -hmm. is it you see it happening right now with russ what do you do when all the athleticism leaves oh well if you don't have anything how are we supposed to build around you that's a, a a lottery pick to me that is what i expect out of a lottery pick is we can either throw you into the system right now and you're going to be fine or you're going to be that guy. And if you're not, if their top five picks aren't that, that's when I'll look at it and say, and eh, this draft was mid. Yeah, and, and I think that's the biggest thing too because, you know, 
the the Knicks have just been a struggling franchise, <laughs> you know, in and out for so long. But RJ Barrett is a starter. RJ Barrett averages um what four points less a game than Zion whenever he's playing, and he's like. He's not the main guy. They want Zion to be the main guy. R.J. Barrett's like the two to uh, Julius Randle. Right well, he's about to be groomed into that one, too. Like he's, yeah. Because of Julius in New York is having a hell of falling out. And I, I honestly think that you can – Barrett, R.J. Barrett, you can turn him into the one, and he his skill set is better than that. Zion's is – he's an athlete. That's it. Yeah. Like he's like I I you won't see him get the ball and then just take somebody off the dribble and get like get to the rack or pull up for a mid-range or something. Like he'll get to the rack but he's not getting he like I think I think Zion's ceiling is 18 and 10. Yeah. That that's the that's at like physical top of his game type shit. So completely developing. See, I think RJ Barrett is continuing to have room to grow in the sense of like He's become a better on-ball defender. He can shoot better. Has way better handling of the basketball. Like vision is better. Vision's a ton better. He's just sometimes you just get a bad draw playing for the Knicks at this point. It's like you you don't know where it's gonna go. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that his ceiling is gonna continue to be higher because he stays healthy. Thanks. He stays healthy. I mean, the only one that you could say you hope it works out for Zion the same way is what happened to Joel Embiid. Yeah, that is That's true. It. That is the only situation where it's going to be like, all right, you know, okay, and now he's healthy, you know, because, well, you know, Joel Embiid, it was what, his first three years in the league? Yep. I don't think he played a professional game. He did not. And then when he came out and he was on that minutes restriction and he was fucking giving Steven Adams the business <laughs> against the Thunder, I'll never forget that game. That was his first professional game. He had 20 and 15, and he played 20 minutes, like, into, into discussion. And now look at him. Yeah, MVP candidate yep, the last almost, couple of years. Yep, last two years. So what, what I was going to say we could finish on was the the – training camp but really nothing has came out of that anyways something that we can talk about that's better is the net situation obviously Kyrie wants to be extended they're not going to uh, or they may they're just not going to give him what he wants and then Katie came out and said if they don't keep Kyrie Katie may have to look at his future in the nets and I think obviously the media ran with it and they said Kyrie to LA Kyrie to here Katie to Miami Katie here Katie mm-hmm. there blah 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 Portland uh, was one of them. Yeah. yeah. What do you think is going to come from the Nets situation? Um, I think they got too much money invested in people that are what ifs. A hundred percent. You know, they they almost started to do no offense to your Lakers. They almost started having that LeBron effect, right? You sign one guy, you got a good number two guy, and then you're just signing like past their prime big names in the NBA and there's no longevity. You're not giving other players room to develop, right? Yeah. Joe Harris got hurt, but Joe Harris is actually able to develop in that style of offense. He becomes a knockdown shooter, but Kyrie is another one of those people that you're like, I don't know. I don't know where his head's at. And, you know, KD will defer 
and he doesn't have a problem doing that at all. It's just there's too many what ifs. You know, the same way that they sold out and traded away all those draft picks for the win now situation, getting KG and Paul Pierce and Gerald Wallace. And how did that pan out? Look what those picks became that they traded away from Boston. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's another situation. Like you're putting yourself in that same kind of grouping of doing stupid shit. Like either you sign them or you don't sign them. And Steve Nash has got to assert himself more as a coach because he is a coach. Do do your job. Put these egos in check. Like, assert yourself. You're the head coach of the team. This is your team. Yeah, you have great players, and that's why it's a very win-down mentality. That's why it's a what the fuck are we doing? Because you have all that talent, and you need to make something of it. Period. Facts. I'm almost 100% agreeance with you. I think it's hard to it's hard for the Nets organization right now, especially because of Kyrie. I understand them not wanting to sign him to a max because why the fuck would you? And Kyrie, ha- I, I don't understand why he can't look back at it and say, you know what, I understand it. Let me sign a one-year, uh, maybe a two-year with the player option after the first kind of like a, a LeBron-level deal. And that way I can prove to y'all that I want to hoop. And then if y'all feel like after this year, if we make a run uh, and y'all want me back, we can run it back, right? You can re-sign yeah. me after that. That way you can re-sign some better players to put around me, KD, Ben Simmons, Joe Harris. And then, like you say, you can make a run. But mm-hmm. Kyrie is very – it's hard to want to build or pay people who don't have basketball at the top of their mindset. Am I am I like saying Kyrie, like you're too, you're trying to be woke or whatever and blah blah blah? By no means am I. I'm not saying that. If you want to do that stuff, by all means do it. But at the same time, you can't do that. Throw your profession on the back burner and then say or feel like you deserve to be paid like a top echelon uh, because you played like 37 to 40 games over the last couple of years. So yeah, three last three years. So you know what I'm saying? That's not a it's not something you can build around. And it's it's becoming very evident. I told some friends uh, this past week, if Anthony Davis comes out and gets hurt again this year, the Lakers have to trade him flat, flat out because you can't build around somebody and you can't have somebody making a third of your salary that continues to stay hurt. Regardless yeah. of their talent or skill that they have, they're not on the court. It don't matter. It's like if you exactly. if you have a Ferrari and you're paying for a Ferrari, but that Ferrari don't have an engine in it, yep. why the fuck do you have it? It's just sitting there. Yeah, it looks nice. <laughs> yeah, it looks really nice, but it's but just it ain't moving. Yeah. It ain't moving. Facts, facts. That's the biggest thing, man. We, I... Yeah, but hey, what you what you want to leave the people with this week? Stay hydrated out here. Good God, it's, it was hot all week. Blood was boiling. People at work were passing out, getting hooked up to IVs in the break room and things of that nature. So stay hydrated out here. Now it's a cooler day today, but. That's just last week and the week before was just a taste of how the summer's going to go. Stay hydrated, folks. <laughs> Hell yeah, stay hydrated. Um, stay off social media this week. I see, obviously, I'm not going into de- detail with it. Stay off social media. Uh, pe- tempers are flaring. Opinions are getting thrown around. Uh, people are yelling, screaming at each other through Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Just stay off social media. Stay to yourself. 
uh, talk to your people, spend time with your family, your friends, and stay hydrated. <laughs> That's yeah. all I can say. But yeah, I told y'all we would be back. Obviously, we have to have an episode next week because UFC 276. It's the fallout on that, what happened, all that goodness. But other than that, bro, you got anything to say? No, sir. That's all I got. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. And thank you for listening to us as episode Dan Marino. So keep it real. (laughs) And we'll be back next week. All right. Peace. Peace.